Hi, I'm Jordan Laurel, and welcome to my show where we make the human experience magical through mental health, mindset, and manifestation. My story is one of radical transformation and rebirth. From depressed, disempowered, and dependent to flourishing within an incredible life I've created, this podcast is me sharing my process of overcoming and creating a magical human experience to help support you as you do the same. Tune in every Monday to feel empowered through stories, wisdom, and lots of super practical tips. Because I am proof, you can change your entire life and manifest a life beyond your wildest dreams. Welcome to the Magical Human Experience Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, friends. Especially after last week, I took off. I was in Philly visiting family, if you missed it, um, and it was it was really, really good to be home. I ran and survived the Broad Street, which is a 10-mile race in Philly that is it honestly is so sweet. Everybody kind of just comes out and shows up and supports as you're running down Broad Street in Philly, which is like the street that kind of just runs straight down the center of Philly. So it was a lot of fun. I ran it because my dad was running it. He's 70 and I was like, I don't know if he's ever going to run this again. I really need to run it with him. So we did it. I survived. I was not sure. It rained and I was like, I was so on the fence, but I'm really proud of myself and I feel like just the older I get, sticking through with commitments I make that are aligned with my values, always, always a good decision and it definitely built a lot of mental resilience, physical resilience, and I was really glad I did it. And although I had a wedding later in the evening, so definitely was a marathon day, but it was such a good trip. A lot of time with friends and family, a lot of love, a lot of growth. I feel like I always end up having like just, I don't know, realizations, conversations with family, like people I've known for a long time. And it's always, I end up reflecting a lot and just coming back, having usually learned something or shifted something. So, and I really loved that. I just, I took a little bit of time off and was able to just really be present and soak it in and enjoy it. And yeah, Glad to be back though. Glad to be back to my home, to California, and to chatting with you guys. This week's episode is so good. (laughs) And I promise I'm not tooting my own horn. I had the amazing Allie Cates on, and she and I had such a powerful conversation. It was just packed full of really helpful information and takeaways. We both shared some stories, but it was focused on trauma. She is a certified trauma recovery coach. And we just go into trauma, triggers, the nervous system, how to regulate it, stress cycles, how to complete them so stress doesn't store in your body as trauma, and just so much more surrounding this topic. Healing, why healing is so powerful and important, how that ties into manifestation and how healing actually helps you be a much more powerful manifester. It was a really good conversation. I really think you guys are going to love it. And I would love to hear your thoughts and your feedback if you have to love it or if you have a takeaway please share with me on Instagram I always have my handle linked down in the show notes and would love if you come by and say hi lots of exciting things to share with you guys though first up I am offering podcast coaching I've had quite a few people asking how I started my own podcast and I figured I would just go ahead and share the basics with you guys so if you want to learn How do you start your own podcast? What equipment do you use? How do you edit? How do you upload and get on Apple, Spotify, all the things? 
I'll go through everything you need to know with you in either one long call or two short calls. We'll break it down. I'll walk you through everything and set you up for starting your own podcast if that's something you want to do. Email me. My email is in the show notes and we can chat. In other exciting news, my signature one-on-one coaching program just got a little bit of a zhuzh and revamp for spring. I support you in this program in getting clarity on what you actually want. Anyways, you're blocking yourself from those things, how to become a match for them, and then actually call them in. And the program, it just doesn't transform your life and attract the things you want. It transforms you because we focus on reprogramming your mind, which if you understand mindset work, change, all of this stuff, which I know you guys geek out on like I do because you're listening to this podcast, (laughs) Our subconscious mind is what's running the show. It's 95% of our brain and most of what we are doing and thinking is coming from our subconscious and that's mostly where we're manifesting from. So if you want to change what you're manifesting and what your life looks like and who you are, you need to start with subconscious reprogramming. So we do a lot of work on that so that you can become a clear channel for all that you want to manifest and become the powerful master designer of your life that you were always meant to be. Uh, It is an eight-week program. There's one-hour calls every single week. You have access to me for questions throughout the week on Voxer. There's homework. There's journaling prompts. And it is transformational. I have had clients tell me that it was transformational. I've seen it be transformational. I've seen it be transformational in their lives. I've seen it be transformational in my own. This work has changed my life, which is why I am so excited about sharing it, which is why we have a podcast about it. Uh, But this this is how you change your life is through this deep work that I dive into in Manifestation Mindset Mastery. So if you're interested in one on one support, it would be my pleasure and honor to work with you. Shoot me an email and we can chat and see if it is a fit. My email's in the show notes. Before we dive into this week's episode, this week's magic is Wellbell. Wellbell is a hair supplement that I have been taking for a while now. Uh, Gosh, over a year, I think. There was a little, I had a break for a couple of months when I ran out, but I've been taking it at least eight months total. And I have seen significant hair growth, especially since I switched over to Wellbell's men's line. I I know it's kind of funny I'm taking the men's supplement, but it's actually the same as the women's. It's just a little bit stronger. So if you want more results or just feel like you need a little bit more potency when it comes to the supplements you take, you can also opt to take their men's line instead of their women's line. I have seen a lot of new growth. My friend Allison, when she cut my hair, and even before that, I got my hair cut like three months ago, four months ago, and both of them were like, you have so much new growth and so many baby hairs. And I was like, I know, I love this. I, You guys know if you've been listening to the podcast or following me for a while, I had a really bad eating disorder in high school through college and a little bit after. And I didn't really get my nutrition back on point even after I recovered for a while. I went vegan, like I was experimenting and I just lost a lot of hair in my 20s. I used to have so much hair and I didn't love the fact that I kind of had bald spots on both sides of my head and I would fill it in with like dark colored eyeshadow and was just a bit of an insecurity for me. And so it has been really, really just healing and exciting and Something that just made me so happy to realize that, okay, my body can heal and recover and I didn't do damage that was irreversible. So I've been really loving Wellbell. It is all natural. It's backed by science and the results are just, 
I've had really great results. So I will obviously link them in the show notes if you have experienced hair loss or have bald spots or patches or just want more hair. Highly recommend checking them out. They have been really, really great for me. And just if you look at their Instagram, they have so many amazing testimonials. All right. Welcome to the podcast, Allie. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. I know. I, well, I'm going to let you give a full intro of yourself, but you know, and I know everybody who listens to the podcast knows I am huge into healing, just doing our work, trauma, all of that stuff, right? Nervous system regulation. So we're going to have what I feel is going to be a beautiful conversation surrounding all of those things and hopefully very educational for those who are maybe kind of like, I don't know that I'm getting all of this. This is a lot. So uh, yeah, I'm excited, but why don't you start off by sharing a little bit about yourself? You know, what you do, maybe you have a really cool story. So maybe share a little bit of your story with my listeners so they can kind of get to yeah. know what got you to doing what you do. Perfect. I'll give you kind of my reader's digest version of it because it's a long story, but, um, so my name is Allie Cates. I am a certified trauma recovery coach, and I'm also a somatic experience practitioner in training. So what all that means is that I work with people on helping them regulate their nervous system and move the trauma out of the body. So how I got into this work is really at like 22, my husband and I lost three people in, in nine months. And then we went on to lose seven people in two and a half years. And all of these deaths brought up a lot of my trauma from my childhood that I had repressed and like forgotten about, like completely disassociated from, but these deaths brought it up in such a big way. And I went on this healing journey. I tried everything under the sun for trauma recovery. I had been in talk therapy before I'd been in counseling before. Um, but I dove into like CBT, EMDR, hypnotherapy, brain rewiring, you know, EFT, like all of these things that, um, were helping, but like, they didn't help move the needle in a big way. And it was when I found a coach and a practitioner that was able to help me actually move the trauma out of my body that was stored in my body that I found this really big relief. So that was at 22. So fast forward about three years into my healing journey and my health crashes it burns. So three weeks before my husband and I get married, um, I get diagnosed with late stage chronic Lyme and multiple autoimmune conditions, like five autoimmune conditions. And we get home from our honeymoon. I sit in an IV room for nine and a half months, get a port placed in my chest. I'm in there three to four times a week, six to eight hours a day. And I will, I would tell my husband at that time, like this experience is breaking me down to build me back up into the person that I meant to be. Because at that point I knew I could get through hard things. Like the trauma that I had experienced in my childhood, the trauma recovery that I was going through, which was intense. Um, I knew that I could face hard things, but it was like such a dark night of the soul, ego death in those moments that I was like this, I have to be a different person out of this. Right. And I knew enough about trauma because I was in this intense trauma recovery to know that when trauma is stored in the body for too long, it manifests in either autoimmune disease or cancer. And so I was dealing with two of those things in a big way. And so after I got out of the IV room, started really healing, doing more of the work, going in even deeper, you know, doing more of, you know, subconscious reprogramming too. That's when like manifestation definitely came on board for me was when I was like embodying this new life that I knew I was meant to live. Um, and then I was like, I have to help people do this because I know how it feels to be alone and like having suicidal ideation and having your trauma come up in dreams that you've 
completely forgotten about. And so my mission is just like to help as many people know that they're not alone. And so that's when I started, you know, learning more about trauma, went and got the certification for it, becoming a trauma recovery coach. And I never thought I would be here. I always tell people like when I went to college, I went to college because I wanted to be the next Aaron Andrews. I wanted to like sit on the sidelines and talk to the cute football players and interview them. And if you told me I was going to be in like mental health, I would have laughed at you out the room. So that's like my quick story. Isn't it funny how the universe has other plans for us? (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like there's no way I thought I would have been here, but grateful to be here. I completely agree with you. I feel similarly, it was kind of a pain leading to me finding my purpose situation as well. And you go through hard things and you experience the joy and relief and the freedom and just all of that. And you're like, I need to share this with the world. I need to help people with this. Uh, So I completely resonate with you and your story. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I would love to start off with talking about trauma. Like, what is it? I feel like this word is thrown around so much, definitely in ways that are maybe not helpful to people who actually have trauma, but then I feel like there's a stigma around it still to some degree. So I'd love to, I'd love to have you break this down a little bit. What is trauma and why should we be paying attention to our own trauma or dissecting, healing, unearthing if we do have any? Yeah. It's so funny. I know you're in like this space, right. Of healing and mental health. So you, if you're following all the people, they're just throwing around trauma. Like it's like, I don't know, like it's almost like candy. Like you hear it so much, but at the basis, you know, trauma is anything that left your nervous system in a dysregulated state for too long. So let me break that down even more is that trauma. If you have been in fight or flight, longer than it takes to outrun a metaphorical tiger, which we're just going to say is like 30 minutes to an hour. I'm just putting a time on it. And you've been living in that state for a prolonged amount of time. That is trauma. It resonates as trauma. It stores in the body as trauma, right? And so, I mean, we can get even granular. There's little T traumas and big T traumas, right? So big T traumas are the things that we think about that are bigger, like rape, sexual assault, or car accidents, abuse, right? Like these are the bigger T traumas, little T traumas, you know, can be microaggressions or people talking down to you. And over time, little T traumas can also feel in the body as big T traumas. So I think, you know, before there's still a stigma around it is like, oh, trauma is reserved for only those that have been to war, which I'm so grateful and respect our veterans you know, to the nth degree, right? They need more support too. But we have to also talk about that like everyday individuals also get trauma and PTSD and complex PTSD. And it's not just about, it's not reserved. Like trauma doesn't discriminate. And I think a lot of people think that it is like only reserved for if this thing has happened to you. And the reason why we should deal with it is because it manifests in so many different ways, manifests in our relationships, the way that we relate to people, you know, if we have something that's traumatic in the past and we're reenacting that in the present, like that's going to keep us in this space of being in fight or flight or being frustrated and our mental health and having depression and anxiety, et cetera. So it's going to keep us in this like almost like ping pong place of like going back and forth between anger and resentment and grief and depression, right? And so the reason why you want to work on it is because it, you can have a life that's so much bigger than what's happened to you. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's true. And it's so funny because that kind of reminds me of what Joe Dispenza talks about a lot in his work, which is kind of like people are so desperate for change, a new reality, a new version of themselves, new relationships, and they can't create that for themselves because they end up they are living in their past in their head. And so they keep continuing to create the same thing in their present. And then their future is already predicted then, because unless you change the cycle of things, you're just going to, it's the same recipe. It's going to yield the same cake. Like, you know, the same ingredients give you the same exact results. So that's such a, yeah, that's such a good point. Um, So I also think that trauma personally, and especially I know my listeners know I'm obsessed with manifestation. It has really changed my life, but hand in hand with that has been trauma healing and trauma healing has been so powerful me and my man in my manifestation practice, because first you can't manifest anything that doesn't feel safe to your nervous system. Cause kind of like you were saying, like you are living from the past, your body is like, this is not safe. So it, it can't, yep. you can't create this new thing because it doesn't feel safe to you. So healing your trauma allows the things you want to become safe to you to create those things. And then also I've just been seeing how closely tied personal power is with manifestation, you know, being in your full authenticity means being in your power. And that is extremely important for manifestation. Um, And I've just, I've seen it firsthand how when I, the more in my power I become, the more powerfully I'm able to manifest. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just so important for all aspects of life. Yeah. I think, you know, you, when you talk about personal power, I love that you use that phrase because it really is like when people come in and they're like working with me, they're like, I don't know anything different than like just being scared and terrified all the time. I'm like, right. Because your body doesn't know anything different, but they, you know, people crave, like people don't want to walk around watching their backs or like being stressed out when they get in a relationship that someone's going to cheat on them. If someone has cheated on, on them in the past, like you don't want to carry this imaginary backpack that we all carry with us, but they don't know another way. And so I feel like that word, like personal power is so powerful that when you can flush that out and your body feels safe again, you're like, I'm a whole new woman I, or I'm a whole new person. And I didn't know this was possible. And that's why like, for me, feeling that and being empowered and be and embodying that has changed my life. Like I wouldn't be here today talking about this if I didn't go through that and find my power. I wouldn't wear a crop top and like go to a photo shoot if I didn't find that power in myself and heal from my own sexual trauma that happened to me, right? Because I would have been too scared of showing my body off. So I love that you use that word. Yeah. I mean, well, I talk about it a lot. I say manifestation is what really helped me step into my power, but I wouldn't have been able to really do the work to really manifest powerfully if I hadn't done a lot of trauma healing before that, because it was keeping me in this victim mindset. Like I look, I look different. Like if you look at photos of me 10 years ago, like my eyes are like droopier and like, I just, my whole demeanor, I was hunched over a lot. Like I carry myself differently. Um, I was a victim for a lot of my life, but then that victim mentality became something that was a part of my identity and the healing, a lot of the healing work was what helped me start to release that. And then through that, I was like, wait, like I get to be the creator of my reality, not the victim of my circumstances and other people. Um, but you, you need to heal to be able to get there. Like there it, you know, you beat a dog over and over again, like it's going to cower, you know, anytime it sees somebody come near it and, you know, to be able to stop cowering and start walking around, running around, enjoying its life, being free. Like you, there needs to be, it needs to heal from what happened to it and know that it is now safe to go about its life and run and be happy and play. 
Yeah. Go off girl. I love it. Like just keep going. I'm like sitting here silently clapping at her. I'm like, yes. Like I think too, the biggest thing is the victim mentality is huge. Like, and we don't talk about it because in trauma recovery, you know, we always say like, you can't blame the victim. But for me, it's like, I've been, you know, in really awful situations being, you know, I have a ton of sexual trauma in my past being raped at 15, having sexual trauma earlier in life. And, you know, I always was like, this is what happened to me. This is my identity. This is the thing that's happened to me. And it kept me in that space of like, I am a victim of this. And the minute I changed my mindset to like, I am not a victim of my circumstance, life opened up because when we talk about, like, at least for me, when I talked about that, it was so disempowering because it's like, this is what your identity is locked into is -hmm. this thing that's happened to you. And then that's driving all of these things to like be a match for it. Right. And so for me, like, especially in the IV room and being broken down, I was like, I am not a freaking victim of this. Like that has, what has set me on fire too, is that your past does not have to define your present or your future. It really doesn't. Like if you knew my full story, you would be like, oh my gosh, like you're right. Right. And like, we all have that story that have, you know, gone through the healing and are still doing the work is like, you don't want to define who you are and who you're going to be. Yeah. Um, I was going to say like the, your mindset during your time when you were in the hospital, I was like, wow, being just being able to say that and think that like, this is going to make me into who I meant to be like, that is huge. And that probably took a long time to get there. A lot of healing to get there because it's, I know for me, at least, you know, a lot of my life, it was just like, woe is me. I couldn't see mm-hmm. all of the pain and trauma that was continually happening to me. And it, it took the healing um, through relationships, through therapy to be able to start to see the the light at the end of the tunnel and that, okay, like there is purpose in my pain, like, but it takes a lot to get out of that. Cause otherwise I just felt like I was being plummeted left and right for most yeah. of I, I couldn't think or see something like that. Yeah. So true. That's such a big one too. And, you know, I think we don't talk about that enough in like mental health is that like, you can also create a new way, like just because your past is this awful, you know, horrible thing that you don't talk about and that you carry this burden, like, doesn't mean that's how the rest of your life is going to be, you know, I'm living proof of that. Like, and so are you, (laughs) we're both living proof of the fact that like you can, have such a bigger life and that the things that have happened to you really, yes, they're awful and they're, we never want them to happen again, but it's like, it really doesn't have to define your present or your future. If you can work it out, right. If you can get it out of your body, if you can regulate your nervous system, if you can find safety and empowerment, like the world is your oyster, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope everybody listening hears that because I know it can sometimes be so, so dark and you feel so alone and it just feels like it's never going to end or there's no way out. But yeah, I, that, that's why I want to talk about and share my story. And I, and it sounds like for you too, and why I was so excited to have you on because it, I, I want people to know, like, there is another story that you can write for yourself. There is a light, there is hope, you know, you can, you can create anything and you might not feel like that right now, but it really is possible. Yeah. And it's okay if you feel like that right now, right? Like I always say like, it's okay to not be okay. That's like my slogan. Like it really is. We're not bypassing emotions here at all. Like 
it's okay if you are feeling depressed or you're sad, but just know that like there is light and that, that you can change it. Right. Yeah. How do you, that is, I think that's maybe a great thing to talk about because that's such a delicate balance and it's something I've been working on doing really well with myself. Like when I have emotions, holding myself and letting me express them, but then, you know, not staying there because it's like, I, I need to feel them. I need to love on myself, hug myself, you know, allow myself to feel and release whatever I need to do. But then it's like, you know, there is hope. You don't want to stay stuck, stay stuck in the negative emotions or the pain or the trauma. How do you walk yourself through that when, when you're having, you're not okay. Yeah. I mean, I am like queen of sweeping my emotions under the rug. Like (laughs) if I could get a badge for it, I probably would have it because that's like literally my vibe is I'm like, Oh, I'm fine. Which really means freaked out, insecure, neurotic, or emotional. Right. But like that was always my term. So I get that to like such a big degree. And it's still something that I have to practice is being like, okay, you're not okay right now. And that's okay. And so for me, the first step is always just acknowledging it, which is almost the hardest thing to do because you just want to like be okay. You know, like people just want to like kind of float through life. And I think we have this notion that like everyone's happy. And if you're not happy, there's something wrong with you. And I just want to like break that down and say that it's not normal if you're happy all the time. Like if you're happy all the time, you're probably disassociated from your body and you're actually not happy and you're masking something. Right. Yeah. So, and I think yeah, that's for me, you just create all these like onion layers that of like judging yourself and, you know, confusion. And yeah. So I think that's such an important thing to, to know. Yeah. Or you just keep on piling it on. Like I always talk about like the imaginary backpack And you keep on just like shoving stuff in this imaginary backpack. And then you're wondering why your shoulders and you're like bent over. It's like, because you're shoving things down and eventually they manifest in your body. Right. And like physical ailments. Um, so for me, the biggest thing is like just acknowledging it. And, you know, I had this earlier this week where like, I had an anniversary of a death come up. It was my, it was my grandma, my grandma was like my best friend and she was like a big deal to me. And it was her birthday. And I was like, gosh, I just don't feel great. And I was like, dang it. Like now I have to acknowledge it. So (laughs) I acknowledge my emotions and I just like, let myself feel them, like feel them deeply. Because for me, it's like, I have been through this so many times that I know that my emotions are not me, right? My emotions are literally energy in motion. So the more that I can let them express and like find a way through, it's going to, it's going to propel it. But when I stop it is when things get tricky, right? So my first step is just acknowledging my emotions and then I slow down. Like really, if I'm going full speed ahead or I have a lot going on in my business, I'm like, like, I just need to slow down for like at least 24 hours, you know, just giving myself time, doing what you said, like being comfortable with myself, giving myself more love, giving myself more attention. And then the other thing is learn is doing the regulation of like moving it out of your body and for me, that looks like somatic experiencing, myofascial release, going to a practitioner that I work with as well that like helps me do that. And that's also what I do with clients. But, you know, I still need that work too. Cause as you know, when you're in the healing profession, it's like going to bring up your own stuff even more. Right. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, it's like kind of a, you know, a couple of things. But really, the biggest thing for me is just acknowledging that, like, oh, I'm not feeling great right now. And that's okay. Like, I have to tell myself. I have a neon sign in my office that says it's okay to not be okay. Like this is also a reminder for me that it's okay. 
and we're going to get through it and we're always getting through it. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, even when I'm able to do that, like, but I can't really go sit down and like process or journal or cry or do, you know, whatever I might need to do. Um, just that acknowledging allows me to often be able to function and do whatever maybe I need to do. So say I have a call in 10 minutes or I'm, you know, at a family event or whatever. It's like, you know, can't really go off and do my own thing sometimes. And I'm sure there are people who are at work or, you know, with their kids or whatever it might be, but, uh, you know, I found, and I'm curious to hear what you do in those situations, but I found just like being like, you're not okay. That's okay. I love you. We're gonna like, we're gonna get through this and we're gonna dig into this later when we have time, but you know, we also are strong enough to power through the next few hours. So you're not just like bypassing it, but you're also not falling apart at a time where maybe you can't. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. I feel like too, you know, a big part of, uh, the work, which is what I do now, right? Like I'm always like hand on heart, like it's going to be okay. Or I have some type of like acupressure point that I use like in between Mm -hmm. your thumb and your index finger, if you squeeze that kind of like fatty tissue right there, that's a great like acupressure point just to help you get back in your body. Because when people get stressed out or triggered, they just cut off, they leave their body. Right. And so for me, I'm always like, okay, connect to the body alley. Like know that you're still here. This is not the past. Like you're in the present moment. You're okay. You're going to be okay. But before it was like, girl, my way of like going into fight or flight when I got triggered was just using like fighting with my words. Like, do you watch Yellowstone? No. Okay. Do you know who Beth Dutton is? She's like the character that like just goes off. Do you know? I don't. No. I know. Okay. <laughs> and I, I always That's like, good. Don't watch it. <laughs> good. Um, anyway, she fights with her words. Like she can literally drop people to her knees with her words. And that was me because I was just because that was coming more online as I was working through it. That response was like, I just fought with my words. So yeah, I mean, I think it sounds like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Me too. And then it, think of things in yeah. the and yeah, like, me too. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what, now it's like less and less, it's still there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think when I'm tri- when I used to be triggered in the moment, it was like, I couldn't even stop myself because when you get triggered, it happens so fast that oftentimes it's literally a half of a second of when you get triggered. Right. But the more tolerance that I had to my nervous system, cause I had like no room in my nervous system to tolerate anything. The more that I worked on my tolerance, the more I was able to then actually, you know, be online and be like, okay, Ali, walk out of the room, walk out of the room, think walk out of the room. Right. Or like do what you're saying and be like, hand on the heart. Like we're going to deal with this later, but like right now we can't deal with this because it's too much. Or like, doing some type of, you know, somatic releasing, like shaking your body or excusing yourself and just like taking a minute to walk around the block or whatever you need to help yourself kind of get back in your body. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely changed over the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would love for you to dive in more into, cause I know you, this is something I've heard you talk about in some of the other podcasts I listened to, um, that you were on just about you can't outthink or you can't out talk trauma. Um, it is stored in your body. Uh, what, what do you mean by that? Can you explain that to somebody who's kind of like, yep. what do you mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. So I think like, 
I get so nerdy on this because I just dive into this topic. So I'm going to try and keep it as like basic as possible. But, you know, when you get anxious or depressed, like let's talk about anxiety. Like the first place you feel is typically in your stomach or your, or your chest, right. Or your throat. Like it's a body reaction and then your mind starts spiraling and then you start ruminating, which means like you start (laughs) thinking a lot. Right. And so that is such a good example for people to be like, oh, you're right. Like it's, it's in my body first. I have a body reaction first. It's not in my head. It's not like, oh, I'm anxious. And then I go to my body. It's typically body first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Right. Like you have that, right. Where you're like, oh, it's in my stomach or like, I got to go to the bathroom or whatever the thing is that comes online. Yeah. My body usually start feels tense and tight first, especially my chest. And then that's when the rumination starts. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is, is I'm going to like talk about the stress cycle or what we call the trauma cycle. And, you know, let's say I'm going to talk about the cycle first and then I'll give an example, but essentially what it is, is I'm going to draw a circle for you guys listening at home is that at the top of the circle is the trigger. And then you go into fight or flight. So we're moving to the right. Then you go into fight or flight. Then at the bottom, there's a discharge. And then you go into rest and digest. Most of us get stuck going from triggered to fight or flight, triggered to fight or flight. And when we do this, we build an emotional capacity in our body. We build like an emotional charge in our body, right? Because we're not actually discharging the pain. And then we're not moving into rest and digest, which is where you heal. You heal in a place of rest and digest of parasympathetic nervous system. If you've heard that, which is just essentially where you're healing. And so when that happens, when you have that emotional charge, it's like, you can't outthink that. Like if, if we were just to sit here and talk to you about like, here you go, this is how you're going to do it. You're going to do this. And then you're going to do that. And then like it's in your body, right? So you have to release that charge out. So another example that I like to give for all my kind of like visual learners out there is imagine there is a rabbit out in the wild. Okay. And this guy named Peter Levine, who, who I'm studying under, he started somatic experiencing. And this is what he brought to the trauma recovery world is that he was talking about how do specifically prey out in the wild, not get traumatized. Like how come they're not constantly on high alert that someone's going to come and eat them. Right. Yeah. And what he found is like, if you watch a bunny rabbit out in the wild, if a coyote is stalking it and the coyote like breaks, um, a branch, the bunny rabbit's going to get triggered. It's going to look up it's going to look at the coyote and then it's going to run, right? So then it goes into fight or flight. Then after it gets to safety, it's going to do a discharge. So either shaking, you know, making loud noises, et cetera, whatever it needs to do to process that charge that it feels, the the adrenaline, the hormones, it's going to discharge that. And then it's probably going to frolic away, find another nice spice and sleep, right? That's how it does not stay in constant fight or flight. Now, we're not taught that. We are not taught how to discharge. We're not taught how to feel our emotions. We're not taught how to feel anger in a healthy way, right? So we bottle it up and store it all in, which then just creates more charge in the body. So it's like you can't outthink these things. They're literally viscerally in your body. And when they're not let go of, hello, my name is Allie Cates. I've experienced this, which like they manifest in autoimmune or disease, right? So it's like the more that you can actually release that charge, 
the better and the healthier you're going to be. Wow. It makes complete sense. Yeah. I, I think most of my childhood was kind of just living in fight or flight. A lot of my life, even in my early twenties, mid twenties, I'd say I was just constantly living in fight or flight or disassociated or numbing out, you know, yeah. uh, one of the three, which kept you alive, right? Yes. And it does, it keeps you alive. But I actually, this is interesting because I wanted to ask you about this. It's kind of how we sabotage ourselves though, by staying in these, in staying in fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, which maybe you can yeah. explain that as well. Those are the four, four responses to yeah. being triggered. Um, but it's, those are the things that end up sabotaging us and everything we want. Like, you know, if you get into a fight with your partner and you go into one of those responses, like that's not giving, you know, either of you what you need to repair the relationship and to heal it and to move forward. And so it, I found like those things were just keeping me from the life that I wanted to create. Yeah. You know, that's such a profound, like self-awareness though. Cause I think most people don't see that, right. That like they are, you know, stuck in this place. Like most people are not aware of one, what their trauma response is. They just know that like, they go into fight mode and then their partner goes into fight mode and then they're both triggered. So then it's like a trigger fest and then they're going back and forth and they're pissed off and they're like, well, we're not going to resolve this. We're going to shove it under the rug and wait till it happens again. Right? Like this is the cycle that we see all the time. It's also like reiterated in pop culture right now of like, you know, how relationships and how people are functioning in relationships in an unhealthy way. But I would say like the biggest thing is to be aware of like, okay, you know, for me, it was that I would fight with my words. And I remember after every time that I would like say something snarky to my partner, who's like now my husband, I would just feel awful. Like you don't feel good after you get into that mode. You're like, dang it. But then you almost get pissed off and then you like, hold on to like, well, then they said something mean to me. So I'm going to hold on to that more than like actually turning the mirror in on myself and going, well, what am I doing too? Like what, you know, like, if I'm having this fight response and they're also having this fight response, I can only change myself. I can't change anyone else. Right. And I think that it just takes like curiosity and courage to go, Oh, I, I have to look at this and like, look at the substance of where is this fight response coming from? And like, you know, is this fight response from something that I picked up in childhood that like, my parents fought this way. And so now I'm picking this up and I'm putting it in my own relationships or that I never got to fight. And now I feel safe enough to fight. Like your unhealed stuff so shows up strongest when you are in a relationship. <laughs> yep. Well, I think that's how I figured that out was I was dating, you know, someone for the past two and a half years. And I was so, we broke up once last fall and I had been, I was just desperate to try to fix things. And there was a lot of fawning that was going into that fawn definitely is a strong response for me or was, I feel like I've yeah. broken that really strongly, um, which I'm excited about. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I have a question about it, but um I feel like I just dove so much into relationship psychology and I finally was able to realize that like, okay, it's the dysregulated communication that's causing a lot of the ruptures in our relationship. And it's the, you know, whenever one of us is triggered or both of us are triggered, that's when there's either unkind words or 
someone's avoidant or someone like typically Jeff was avoidant. And then for me, I was more anxious and I'd be like fawning and trying to fix and please and all of this stuff. And I was finally like, okay, how do I stop getting triggered and dysregulated so much so that I'm not, we're not creating these negative, you know, cycles and also hurting each other. Um, you know, how do we prevent that? And so that then we also are right in regular, in a regulated state. So we can like talk about the actual issue and like find a way to work through it. Um, so I think that's what really got me to start realizing like, oh, my, I guess it's not really the responses per se. It's the ha- having such big triggers and being triggered, you know, kind of sabotaging me from having the life that I want. And that kind of really motivated me to dive into the healing work because I'm like, I'm tired of constantly being dysregulated. And yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge is that people feel that like when they do get triggered, they feel like the anger come up or the fawning or like the anxious, like I need to fix everything right now. Or like, we can't go to bed without fixing this because I'm so anxious. I can't even get to bed. Right. Like we all feel those things, but I feel like a lot of it is, you know, generationals that we pick up what our parents did and like, God bless our parents are like, I'm not here to blame our parents, but like you do pick up what your parents are doing and how they respond. And that's how we have anxious attachment or avoidant, right. Is from like their nervous system as well. And so it's like, until you break that cycle, you're going to be completely unaware of it. I always say that people are like wearing a veil. And then when you start to do the trauma work and the healing work, it's like, you're pulling up the veil and you see everything so differently. Now you see relationships differently. You say the way that like, you know, people connect differently or how they are out of their bodies or in their bodies. Like you see it all and you can't really unsee it, but (laughs) you have to get to that. (laughs) Yeah. But you have to get to that point where you're like, okay, I'm sick and tired of this. So I need to find another way. Yeah. So essentially with trauma, it stores itself in our body. And then what is the connection between the stored trauma and a trigger? And how do you, what are some ways that you can heal trauma? Mm -hmm. So a trigger is essentially anything that is like, it feels like the past right? So a trigger is the past being brought into the present and then you're like reenacting in the present. So let's say that something happened to you when you were like, I don't know, five or six years old and it was really traumatic. And then something in the present triggers you. Maybe it's a smell, maybe it's a person, maybe it's a place or a sound or something, or someone says something in a tone that just like really sets you off. You then have this moment where you like, disassociate from your body typically. And then the past, that moment that happened in the past, that charge that never got released that we talked about earlier gets then brought into the present. And then you're like 25 years old and you're like, well, now I have the tools to actually say what I needed to say, or, you know, fawn or freeze or fight or whatever the thing is, because I'm 25, I'm not five anymore. This is like your brain, right? Yeah. And so you start reenacting it in the present moment and it doesn't go anywhere because it doesn't fit right? Like those things that happened to you in the past don't fit the present. And so then you're, you know, that's what a trigger is. And the, the reason why it happens, it's like, it happens in the body, right? The body remembers this memory or like a great example that I use with people that people really connect with is, have you ever like gone for a run or done yoga and started crying? And you're like, this is an old memory coming up or it feel like the tears feel old. 
maybe not running, but, um, Pilates, I started doing a lot of Pilates and that I found to be very healing. EFT tapping. I feel like I've released a lot through that. It's brought up a lot of old yeah. Uh, yeah. inner child here healing through that. Cause it all, it'll bring up like the past experience that is so like, for example, if I'm like feeling anxious about something, I'll start tapping on it. And I will feel like, even though, you know, this part of me is, you know, I'm, I'm not liking it right now because it's making feel like, making me feel anxious. I love and accept and, for, and I forgive it and I thank it for trying to protect me. And I've experienced a lot through that. I'll often have what caused me to feel anxious in the past come to light. And I'm able to kind of like just tell my younger inner child, just like, I am so sorry that happened to you. That wasn't okay. I'll end up crying a lot, journaling on it. Um, so I, I found EFT tapping to be helpful for that. To a degree. That's amazing. Um, yeah. But yeah, Pilates slash yoga was also kind of bringing stuff up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, when I say that, usually people are like, oh yeah, that's happened to me. Or like, I've known someone or I've seen someone, but I love that you were able to tap into that through another modality too. But it's because that you're tapping on an old charge, right? You're like tapping into an old charge. So that old charge, like maybe when you're five year old, five years old, something traumatic happened. And then someone said, you know, stop crying shut down your emotions. You can't be angry. You're not allowed to do that. And so you shove those emotions down. It's like the, the exercise or the EFT is tapping on, tapping into that old charge. So then you're releasing it, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, exactly what's been happening. It's been really powerful for me. That's amazing. Yeah. Um. So that, that I guess is one way then that you could kind of heal past traumas. What are some I guess more, cause I know you focus a lot on somatic healing. Like what are some other ways that are maybe more body focused that you work on yeah. your, with your clients on healing trauma? Yeah. So I'm really focused on like the somatic experiencing myofascial work, um, you know, getting into the body and helping it release. So when I talk about like, you know, when you're doing stretching or yoga and you start crying, it's like, cause you're tapping into that old charge that's is stored in the body because trauma is stored in the fascia tissue specifically. So when you're releasing that, that's what's coming up is that people will have memories flood them or they'll have thoughts come up or like feelings or like tears. Like they're like, I remember crying this hard at like this age or not being able to cry this hard at this age. So I'm very much body-based because for me, that was the thing that really shifted the needle and helped me find profound relief because I was so cut off from my body. I walked around in a complete glaze all the time, like in disassociation all the time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm really focused on somatic and, you know, myofascial release because it also helps you tap into the stored anger, which is like a huge thing that I see in trauma recovery is everyone walks in, including myself, was being like, I am the nicest person on the planet. I like, I was like, if anyone asks, they'll be like, Ali's so sweet, you know, which is like true. But it was because I was like, I don't want to tap into my anger because I've seen that play out in my life in unhealthy ways. And like, I don't even want to touch that. So I've just completely, I'm not touching that emotion. But really it's like my body was holding on to so much unprocessed anger that needed to come out. Um, So tapping into your anger is a huge one, you know, like, whether that's punching a pillow, screaming, pushing on the wall, like you can do smaller techniques. They don't have to be these like huge, big things, but 
even just like pushing on the wall and feeling the like resistance against you can be really helpful when you're angry or when you're like, I have this charge, but I'm shoving it down. Um, that can be super helpful to just build your tolerance to anger. I have a lot of clients that are like, I'm not angry and I'm not touching that. And then we like dig in and they're like, wow, I'm really pissed. I'm like, I know because it's holding in your jaw and in your forehead. So I can see it. Wow. That's, I love that. Like healthy ways to let those emotions out. So your body can just fully release them and move on from them. Yeah. I mean, I would say too, is like, there's so many like free things that you can do, but I always get cautious, like giving out certain ideas because people can get stuck in that space. So I feel like it's helpful if you have like a practitioner or a coach too, because they can help move you through in like a healthy way. Um, but yeah, I think what you have to find what works for you because what works for one person might not work for the next. Right. And so like for you, Jordan, you found that like EFT helps you tap into that space where you can feel the emotion and let it come out. Are you able to like pick up on any anger when you're doing it? Well, I was, I was funny. Cause I was actually thinking about that while you were talking, I have, I used to have a lot of anger and I'm like, how did I release it? Cause I don't anymore. Like I actually feel, I feel a lot of inner peace lately. Um, mm, and great. yeah, I I'm trying to think about how I did. I think a lot of it for me was released in, I was actually able to have a lot of conversations with people that abused me. I feel like I have done a lot of work on the relationships that were really hard for me that caused a lot of the pain and trauma. Um, yeah. So I, I'm That's amazing. I think I'm, I think that is how I was able to just get a lot of the anger in me out. I was able to express how I always thought and felt. And, you know, there was some yelling, there was a lot of crying. Um, but I think that kind of healed a lot for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I feel like a lot of people don't get that opportunity, you know? So it's really cool that you've been able to like mend and repair those relationships that have been really hard and traumatic. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I was curious on your, t- your take on that. Cause I'm like, some of this has, has not been in my body or body healing per se, but I had a recent, this was like, so cool for me. Um, I had, you know, a relationship that was still abusive and unhealthy in some ways and something in me shifted and I was just done. And I was like, I am no longer willing to, because I've set a lot of boundaries and I've stepped into my power a lot over the last couple of years here. But I was kind of like putting my foot down in a like lenient way where it was like, I'm not tolerating this or that. But then I, you know, would kind of let things slide, would kind of, and I was, I'm, you know, thinking about it, it's kind of how I was in a lot of areas because I've always been a really understanding person. I'm a huge empath. And so that was kind of a downfall for me and where I had leaky boundaries was always feeling more for other people and being like, Oh, well, I don't want to hurt them. What about their experience? And I was putting that above my own a little, it's been less and less and less, but still a little bit. And something snapped in me. And I was like, no longer is this happening and no longer Mm -hmm. will I ever be treated abusively. And I set a very firm boundary. And I said, this relationship is completely over. If I, if you ever speak to me in an abusive way, and if you do not get therapy, like I, you have tried to not be abusive for a long time and it is, it, it, it still is leaking out here and there. And I have put up with it. And I'm like, unless you go to therapy too, 
fix the root causes of this stuff, this relationship is completely done. And something in me after doing that in my body, I felt so safe and stable in a way I've never felt before. Like I was like my, all of, you know, inside of me was kind of like, she's got us, she's got our back. We've got our own back. Like we are good. Like, so I, it's so interesting. I felt that decision, like physically very, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. You know what I think that that is now that you're saying it, cause you were saying that like your fight or flight response is to go into fawn. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when people are doing, I just had a conversation with the client right before this call is that oftentimes when people are, have a fight or flight response, like fawn underneath it, there will be other fight or flight responses that haven't been mobilized or they haven't been able to move. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you have like fight or freeze or actually it's typically fight or flight underneath. And then you release the fawn, which you were like, okay, I'm no longer being a people pleaser anymore. I'm mm -hmm. actually setting my boundaries. These can show up, which are fight or free or fight or flight. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you're saying that and you're setting a strong boundary, that to me is like, you're mobilizing the fight response in a healthy way by setting a boundary with your words. Right. Yeah. Oh yes. And that I, that was kind of, Definitely. Yeah. It was smothered for years of my life or immobile. That's probably a better yeah. word. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah. say that for myself and protect myself from a lot of yeah. And I think that when we talk about, you know, fight or flight, it's always like, Oh, it's so bad. But like, honestly, when you can mobilize them in a healthy way, they keep you alive. You guys, like that's how the bunny rabbit like stays away from the coyote and lives is like, it goes into a healthy fight or flight response. Right. It's when it's an unhealthy fight or flight response or when it keeps on happening and doesn't ever get discharged. Right. So when you're saying that, sabotage. yeah, right. How do so you you're saying that the difference? I'm you... sorry. I'm cutting you off. <laughs> no, 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 you go. Uh, well, you finish what you were going to say and then I'll ask my question. I forgot what I was going to say. So you go. Um, how, how do you know the difference between healthy and unhealthy responses and how can you set yourself up for having healthy responses. Yeah. I mean, the unhealthy responses would are very much like, I feel like your audience is tapped into like ego and soul. Right. And I feel like oh, a healthy you don't think so. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't okay. 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 So I would say that like a healthy response is when you can completely have like your body goes into rest and digest afterwards. So like if you go into fight or flight or your example where like you said it and you had peace, I would then be like, okay, did you have peace? You know, because you like were able to actually like say the thing and finally say it, like, were you able to like kind of relax afterwards or give me a little bit more like that would, I would say, then you probably completed the cycle. That would be a healthy cycle. So you like mobilized your fight response in a healthy way. You weren't mean, right? You were like, right, I, was, I was very kind. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you're clear and you're kind and you're like, this is my boundary and this is how it is. Like that to me is a healthy response. It's a healthy completion of the circle. When it becomes unhealthy is when you're like, well, F you, blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, you know, going off on people because that does give you a high, like, hello, I've been there. Like it does give you a high when you're like finally saying the words that you want to say. And then you're like, oh, I, I said them. But then you feel like crap after you've said them because- you said them in to hurt people. You haven't said them to like, you know, set a clear boundary. Right. So sure. most people are getting like 
in the fight mode. And then they're just getting triggered in. Cause they're like, well, I didn't say it this way. Or then, you know, they're going back and forth between that triggered and fight or flight. So that's when you know that it's unhealthy is like, if you're continually getting triggered over the thing, it's because the, the, the cycle hasn't actually happened. You haven't completed the full cycle. Interesting. So I wonder then if maybe the solution is to, because I, I regulated myself I was able to, I was able to stay pretty regulated after I was mistreated, which caused me to set the boundary. Um, and I set a further boundary saying I was not talking to them while they were reactive and while they were alone, uh, without somebody else present. Um, but I, I was able to stay because I, I removed myself from the situation and I protected myself. I was able to stay pretty regulated and I, yeah, I, I sent a message and then the next day having a conversation, I, was very regulated going into the conversation. Um, and so, so maybe the answer is if you can try to regulate yourself before having these responses come up, they'll most likely be coming up in a healthy way. Yeah. I think too, is like, it's about like tapping into the body. So I'm curious, like, were you able to like discharge anyway, after you set the boundary, were you able to discharge? Like, did you go home and like cry or get angry or any like shaking or anything like that? I got, trying to think. I talked with a friend for a while about it actually uh, afterwards. And then I journaled a lot about it. And I think I just expressed and released all of my emotions about the situation. I I was a bit angry, um, but I felt really empowered that I did myself. So I kind of just like journaled and processed a lot in my journal. Yeah. I think that like most, when you're mostly completing the cycle, it's like, there's a, there's a big discharge, right? It's like either there's shaking or there's anger or there's like something coming up. So if you were able to have that, then, then I would say like, yeah, like that's the solution, right? Is completing the full cycle. So that I your body, a lot of anger to the person I was talking yeah. to. Yeah. 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 That's probably how I discharged it then. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Or like feeling it, you know what I mean? Like when you're like, I'm so angry and you're like, you're feeling the anger that can be part of it too. Yeah. 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 I was just like, I'm angry about this. This is not right, but I'm not having this happen ever again. Like, it's just not going to happen again. (laughs) This boundary is firm. So so I mostly felt really good. You know, I think too, is that because you've been doing the work for like a long time that when people get to this point where they've like regulated and they've discharged, which you were saying that like EFT has helped you do that a lot, right? Because you've been able to tap into that feeling that when you're doing that, it's helping you complete that the stress cycle that I'm talking about, right? So for this experience, your tolerance was bigger. So you had more tolerance to be able to like not freak out on them or not go into fawn mode. And then you were able to release it in a healthy way. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm so excited to like talk about this stuff with people. Cause I had my emotions drove me from a lot of my life, but I don't think I was ever like processing and releasing them. It was more like dumping them (laughs) with other people and driven by them. And so I I am so excited because I feel like I feel my emotions when something happens for the most part, you know, not always perfect, but I feel my emotions and I express what I need to express in some way, shape or another. I cry, I go for a walk, I journal. Like I, I, I do feel like I feel it, I process it, I release it and I move on with my day. Like it's, it's yeah. a quick cycle nowadays. And so I feel light and I feel free a lot of the time. 
compared to how I lost my life. Totally. I think that that's like such a, that's what everyone wants, right. Is to be able to not have their emotions dictate, like we were saying earlier, like their past or their past dictate their present or their future. Like you want to feel lighter and like you have an option, you know, when you can feel like you have an option, you can either, it feels freeing. Like you're like, I can either let my emotions take over. Like, I'm sure you know how that situation was going to go. If you did what you maybe would have done like three or four years ago. Right. Versus today, you're like, okay, I have another option and I know how to work through this. And the cool thing is I have not felt triggered around that person since. And I used to really triggered a lot around them just even when things were fine. Like, you know, things could be great, whatever, nothing. And I would still just feel a little uneasy. I would catch myself disassociating a little bit. And now I'm just like, I'm good. I'm totally fine. Yeah, that's amazing. That's so exciting. I know. And this work is so exciting. <laughs> it's so amazing. I'm sure you see this freedom that your clients experience often. And I'm sure that gives you so much joy and fulfillment too, just seeing people step into their power and create. A whole yeah. Oh, yeah. Experience. Yeah. I mean, it is really cool. I just had a client earlier that they like never stood up for themselves. And then finally, they just were like, similar experience. They're like, you know what, we've, we've been doing a lot of nervous system regulation, somatic experiencing, like moving the trauma out of her body in different techniques. And she was like, I'm just, I can't tolerate this anymore. It's like, you've almost tolerated it for so long. And then your body feels a different way that you're like this, I it's lifting a veil. It's like the matrix. Like if anyone's seen the matrix, it's like, you finally see what the matrix is. And you're like, I can't go back and plug back into the way that I've been living, because I know that it's, that's not the way that I'm going to go. So it is, it's really exciting to me when I'm like, they're like, this is actually happening. Like, is this happening? Like, and then you kind of question it. You're like, am I like, am I feeling freedom? I'm like, yeah, this is what it is. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You've arrived. (laughs) That's so cool. Uh, Oh my gosh. Oh, I did want to ask for, for our listeners here. What are some of your go-to ways to regulate your nervous system or maybe to recommend Mm. to your clients? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, I'm such a, now I'm such a body-based person. So it is like doing the somatic experiencing, the myofascial release, you know, for people at home. And like I had mentioned this before, like punching a pillow if you're feeling anger so that you're at least getting it out and like not taking it out on other people. Um, humming is really great to help regulate your vagus nerve too. If you're feeling Ooh. like, yeah, there's like this vroom, like vroom sound. And if you do it louder, it helps to regulate your, um, vagus nerve, which can help with, um, regulation. I personally like lean a lot into, you know, meditation for me. Sometimes meditation is dysregulating too. If I really have like a lot of anger coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like I had mentioned before, it suppressed so much anger for such a long time that it like still needs a way to get out sometimes. Um, like I said, like if let's say you're at a dinner and someone's like really triggering the heck out of you and you're like, Oh, I feel so much anger. You can literally go in the bathroom. I tell my clients this, I'm like, go in the bathroom and like, just push on the stall or like the, if there's a wall just to like feel and like mobilize your anger in a healthy way. Um, but for me, like working with a practitioner is really helpful too, to be able to, you know, move the trauma out even deeper. Uh, let's see. What else do I do? I like also just lean into joy a lot. Like that has been my newest thing 
in my own healing journey is like actually having like fun and like just doing things that aren't healing because I feel like healing is my work and it's also like my life's mission. So, you know, yeah, I think that would be, there's so many of them, but yeah, I feel like for me, the biggest thing is somatic experiencing and the myofascial release to release the trauma of the body. I love that. And, and yeah, and I, you know, I think it's so great and I love podcasts and I love sharing stuff, but, you know, kind of to your point earlier as well, like this stuff is not one size fits all. All of us are so unique and so different. What has happened to us, how we handle things, how we need to handle things. Like it is all so different. And that's why I am such a huge fan of working one-on-one, whether it's with a therapist or a coach or both. I actually usually have, I'm working with both at the same time because it's, you know, you're getting one-on-one support with whatever you need support with. And so that person is able to help you specifically and give you tools that are going to work for you. Um, and it also fast tracks things. Cause I've, I've done a lot of self-healing um, and you can do it and it's great, but it's so much faster to have somebody actually hold your hand through it and support you. And, and support is so underrated. Just yeah. like I've had times in my life where I've had a lot and a little, and it makes a huge difference to just have people in your corner supporting you. And so I'm a huge believer in having support, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Same Uh, for sure. I mean, there's been times where I'm like, I cannot do this on my own. Like I definitely need more support. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I always, I, I, I hope I always have, am able to have a mentor or two in my life with, you know, in the, usually it's in the form of a coach and a therapist, but it really makes That's it amazing. Different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One last thing before we wrap up that I wanted to chat with you about, because you touched on this with what you were just saying with leaning into joy. Um, you know, obviously this stuff is so much a part of my passion and my purpose um, and for you as well. And it's really, really powerful, life-changing stuff. But sometimes I kind of feel like <laughs> healing is taking over my life where it's like yeah. it's a part of my life. And it's like, well, okay but I don't want this to become my identity either. It's not like, you know, I don't want to go from trauma being my identity to healing being my identity. Like I want to be me. Um, mm-hmm. So how do, how do you balance that? How do you do this work, prioritize it, um, especially having it tied into your job, but then also still find time to just be Allie and enjoy life as Allie? Yeah. Honestly, disconnecting from my phone, I think is the biggest thing. Like at six o'clock, putting the laptop and the phone down, you know, and like really just hanging out with my husband, hanging out with our two dogs, like going for a walk. I ride horses. So like I go and like horseback ride um, and really just disconnect from it. You know, sometimes people like when I'm, if I run into someone at the grocery store or I'm like at the barn and they're talking about trauma, I'm like, this is, I have, I'm like, I'm not here for that. Like I have to like, I have to consciously, because I love this stuff so much, like so much that I'm like, okay, Allie, this is not your time. This is not your place. Like, you know, it's okay if you aren't talking about trauma and healing all the time. But for me, like the biggest, biggest thing was finding a hobby again, like an actual hobby. Because for so long, my hobby was working out. This is what I thought my hobbies were. You'll probably laugh at me, but working out, um, reading self-help books, listening to podcasts, watching Netflix shows, um, 
true. Like this is things that I hear from my clients too, which are like true crime podcasts, right? Like I'm like, what's your hobby? Cooking, <laughs> like cooking dinner was it? People are like, cooking dinner is my hobby. Baking a cake for my, you know, nephew or son. I'm like, okay. Uh, what else? Like all these things, like healing was so a part of my identity that the minute, and this has been in like the last two years of actually finding a hobby that has nothing to do with healing is like changed my life. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel you on that. I definitely find myself going towards the, the reading and the podcast, especially in my free time. So that's a challenge to me to, I, I definitely agree with you putting the phone aside when I leave my phone in another room and I, oh my gosh, I just feel life changing. So- <laughs> yeah. Especially cause like you're building, like you are like a creator too. So it's like your life is like on social media, right. Or like on like the phone or on the computer, like you're plugged in, you're talking to people, you're, you're emailing them, you're texting them, you know, it's like, we're constantly on these devices and I'm like, I just put it over there. All of that. Oh my gosh. So good. Thank you so much for coming on. This was such a great conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that you had me on. Oh yeah. I was very excited when I heard you are, you know, a trauma specialist and deal with all of this stuff. And yeah, I felt, I felt like it was very aligned, especially just for some things I've experienced, you know, in the last couple of months and wanted to talk about. So it was aligned divine timing. I love it. I love when that happens. Me too. Uh, so how can people find you if they would like to listen to your podcast or find you on Instagram or your website? Where where would where should they go? Yeah. So everything is AllieKates.co. So it's A-L-I-K-A-T-E-S.co. So that's my Instagram handle, TikTok, um, all social media. And then that is also my uh, website. And then my podcast is It's Okay to Not Be Okay. So you can find it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, you know where to find her if you want to learn more about, and it's a lot of somatic healing, trauma, mindset, all of that. Yeah, nervous system, all of it. We cover it all. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you again for coming on. And I hope everybody listening, I hope you guys enjoyed.